Hello and welcome to Schneider Electric's podcast for everyday extraordinary healthcare. As has been widely reported, cyber attacks, including attacks on healthcare systems, have risen alarmingly due to the pandemic crisis. This has revealed the tendency among cyber criminals to strike when institutions and individuals are at their most vulnerable. Data shows a direct correlation between the pandemic milestones and rates of cyber crime. The Computer World reported, for example, that cyber attacks rose 48% on January 30th of this year, the day the US announced its first case of COVID-19. With us today, uh, we're going to speak with Nassar Mund, who's the Security Director Commercial uh, for Global Cybersecurity Services within Schneider, for his perspective on what hospitals and what organizations can do. Welcome, Nassar. Thank you, Chris. So we, we just heard there from Computer World around the cyber attacks, you know, increasing when the pandemic happened. What, what have you been seeing in the market this year? Uh, we've seen a similar trend in across all industries that uh, as the pandemic started and as people had to uh, work more remotely, uh, as more and more people had to connect into systems, uh, we saw uh, the incidence of cyber attacks increasing tremendously. And this has happened across uh, several industry, almost all of them. Yeah, and we, we saw one recently, I think it was in Germany, where someone connected to a health system and it actually impacted a lot of the medical devices inside that organization. Is that is that something which is you see commonly? We have to look at uh, the perspective right now. As uh, technology has moved forward, you know, there's more and more reliance on data. Things have been connected. And with this connectivity, all the data that was stored into devices because the devices were becoming intelligent has started moving from one place to the other. And data has been used as the information based on which decisions are made. And they are made much faster when the connectivity is there. So the more you expand that that transition of data, you expand your attack surface. Yeah, so w- and, when we look at digitization and we think, okay, we, we want to have these open connected systems and it actually poses a risk for an organization. Yeah, it's, and, and you would have heard the maxim that, you know, the technology that helps us do things faster also increases our risks as well. So the more we get into using data to make our decisions, the more we connect things, the more we start moving things around, uh, the attack surface, as I explained, increases. And when your attack surface increases, of course, people are waiting there to make money out of that as well. So yes, we have to be very careful. And with the pandemic, what has happened is there has been an increase in need for people to connect remotely. So you have opened another avenue for that data to flow. And again, that's another attack surface that people can go in there and attack. Mm. So so what, what can organizations, and particularly healthcare facilities, what can they do to kind of warn off these types of attacks? First, they need to be cognizant of the fact that your attack surface is increased. Okay, the, the realization is the first thing. Then they need to put systems in place to ensure that that data is protected, both from an IT perspective, And a lot of that data now is coming out from their OT systems. So if they need people to connect remotely, those people need to connect to the OT systems as well, whether it it be the electrical system based on the connectivity. So from a cybersecurity perspective, we have a, a solution that provides you a very secure remote access into your OT assets. So any operator, any remote operator that needs to connect to an OT device can go through uh, the system. 
digitally as if that person was physically walking into a hospital with an ID card, getting into the hospital, getting into the uh, the secure area and actually working on that, uh, on that uh, uh, OT asset. We can replicate that digitally with a very secure, secure remote access solution that provides the, the operators the ability to enter into the hospital remotely with secure credentials, get to the specific OT asset that they want to work on, whether it be a building management system, to go in there and work on it, get the actual permit digitally to work on it. So those are the, the type of solutions that hospitals need to look at. The hospitals need to look at to ensure that, you know, not only are they secure from an IT perspective, but that they are securing their OT assets as well, because as you would have seen, you know, the American Society of Healthcare Engineering has also pointed out very clearly that your building systems, your OT assets could be potential cyber penetration point. And we've seen that happen in other industries as well. People term uh, industries as critical infrastructure, et cetera, but in, within hospitals, certain elements are absolutely critical. Because now you're talking not only about uh, financial repercussions of a cyber attack, but even the actual safety implications of it, because you are dealing with people's lives here. So healthcare is very, very critical infrastructure within a, uh, within a micro sense as well. Interesting. So, so really, you know, the OT technology, because it's digitizing, it's, as you mentioned, it's creating a bigger footprint for people to connect to. So when we think of customers, you know, what, what services do we, we provide from Schneider Electric? So from a Schneider Electric perspective, we can actually go into a hospital, of course, besides all the digitization of their actual controls, uh, we can provide them on three levels. You know, we can provide them products that are secure by design, that are designed based on how the standards specify them following the secure development lifecycle. So we ensure that the products that are going into those places are secure by design. They're, they have embedded cybersecurity in them. We then help through our own execution centers or through our partners ensure that those products are uh, integrated into a system. When that system then goes in and sits in our customers' infrastructure in their network where they connect to different things, whether our, for example, our BMS system goes in there sits in the larger network of that hospital network, connects to different things where information is coming into them, we can help them go and see if that entire network is secure. We can help them assess their network to see where they stand, what are the assets that are communicating on that network, and what's the integrity of that communication, how secure is that network. Based on that assessment, we can then go in and design a system for them that covers their basic elements of cybersecurity. They need to make sure they have proper authentication and identification before people get in there. That authentication needs to be accountable too. They need to make sure that they have an endpoint protection system, an anti-malware in there that ensures that no outside malwares are entering them. They need to make sure that all their OT assets are patched properly. They need to ensure that their networks are segmented. Chris, with cybersecurity, it's not a matter of if you're going to get attacked. It's more the mentality should be when they are going to be attacked. So they need to segment their networks. They need to separate it out that if, when they are attacked, they can contain that attack to a certain zone and be able to clean it up. 
And last but not least, in systems like these, it's absolutely essential from a business continuity, from an operations continuity perspective, to have a very, very rigid backup system so that when something does happen, they're up and running instantaneously. So it's preparedness. It's been re ready for when this incident will happen. And I, I guess, you know, because we're a manufacturer, our, our systems will be targeted quite often. What do we do to ensure that we notify our customers if we do find vulnerabilities in our offer? So we have a complete, very robust system. We have a product security office that is specific to ensure, one, that our products are secure, and two, to be able to inform once we to inform all our customer, once we find vulnerabilities within our system, and last but not least, have a very robust incident response system that if these were found, come up with remedies. How do you remediate based on the vulnerabilities that have been discovered? So we have a dedicated department called Product Security Office that focuses just on that. Excellent. So thinking of resiliency, you know, cybersecurity is about planning and being prepared and making sure that, you know, when we do have an incident, it's about containment of that, of that penetration. Absolutely. You need to have a plan. Think of this plan as a safety evacuation plan. You don't say if a fire, when the fire would happen, this is what we are going to do. This is our execution. This is our evacuation plan. This is our, you know, meeting point. This is what happens. So that needs to be in place for a cyber attack as well. It is as critical as safety, not more, because now it has safety repercussions. Yeah, fascinating. Well, Nassar, thank you for joining us today. Very insightful. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, Chris. Appreciate that. Thank you very much. Our final segment of today's program is our country spotlight. And today we have Anna Salmeron, who's the building segment director for South America joining us. So Anna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. It's a pleasure to be here participating on this podcast. Fantastic. So obviously, you know, much has changed in 2020, um, especially in, in healthcare, which is one of your focus segments. But can you give us a little bit of an overview as to what's been happening in, in South America and then some of the actions some of the different countries have been taking? For sure. Well, first of all, it's, uh, it's a great opportunity to be here and bring a South American overview of what has been happening here and how we have been responding to the challenges this year because of the pandemic of COVID. And uh, before I start talking about what is going on, going on around here, it's very important to say that when we talk about South America, we are talking about many different countries with different ways to re react to the pandemic. And sometimes the impacts have been different from one country to the other because of COVID. So what I would try to bring here is an overview on whatever is common among them, okay? Well, as you probably know, Coronavirus started here in February when Brazil confirmed the case in Sao Paulo. And uh, since then, all governments have been working very hard to protect the citizens and to contain the spread of the disease. But uh, more recently, since July, we have, uh, in Latin America overall, we have become the region with the highest number of confirmed cases. And uh, aside from health risks that we all know, 
we are already facing a lot of economic impacts uh, around the region and we will be facing even more, we believe, in the future. And uh, just to give an overview, many countries have uh, recently relaxed some of the restriction actions, such as in Brazil and Chile. But uh, in Argentina, for example, there is still under strict quarantine measures. Okay. So while many people started working from home since the beginning of the quarantine, all the facilities teams of uh, our hospitals had to dedicate themselves even more physically present inside the hospitals and they needed to keep everything safe available working and operation they never stopped working because of the pandemic and they have been facing a lot of challenges and difficulties and uh what we saw around here is that whatever were was already approved or ongoing regarding investments in their hospitals they they kept this generally speaking but of course the focus has been totally redirected to make things working available because of the huge number of patients that arrive every day uh, at their hospitals. So it's important to remember that one of the things that uh, really, really uh, we need to consider is that they kept, especially the private hospitals, they kept everything running, even considering the reduction they had on their income because of the cancellation of other treatments from other diseases and the cancellation of surgeries. Well, what we see as common because of the pandemic is that hospitals are today questioning themselves how they can better react and how they can react more quicker to similar health events in the future. How can they improve their resilience in situations similar to the ones we are facing right now? I could say that they, they, they really are, uh, they see today that they have many rooms for improvement inside their facilities. And when I, when I say rooms for improvement, I mean from the electrical distribution installations to their building management systems, whether they are integrated or not. Well, what happened is this crisis for sure brought a trend regarding digital transformation in their facilities. And of course, what we see is that we have different level of uh, different levels of maturity of the building management systems in their in the hospital so we don't see the same level in all institutions around all countries but they all noticed they needed to move and they need to move right now things forward regarding integration of systems uh, uh, in a, a better integration of their systems and so when the government were looking at um, in these different countries at how they were going to address kind of the surge capacity, did they, in the regions, were they building kind of temporary facilities or was it more a case of adapting the spaces inside of existing infrastructure? Uh, most of them were had to adapt what they had regarding access control, for example, for some areas inside their hospitals, depending on the size of the hospitals, the situation was different. And what we saw is uh, we, we saw some hospitals keeping their investments on new areas they were already, uh, they already had planned to build. So they kept this uh, specifically in some countries. But what we saw is in general, all the, the, the redirection of the, the focus on keeping things working because of the COVID patients arriving 
at their doors in general. Okay, so basically, what we what we saw is they uh, they had to keep all the facilities teams available around the clock because as the same way as the medical staff, as if they were frontline, okay? And they had to react because of their many buildings. For example, we have hospitals here in South America where we are talking of hospitals in the middle of the cities that grow inside, uh, around the block of one main hospital. So it means they had to adapt the entrances and exits of COVID and no COVID patients. And of course, this was different depending on the size, of course, as I said, of the institutions. And of course, regarding uh, the, the, the fact that they were private or public, because they had to do some adaptations. And if they were private, they could decide by themselves. If they were public, they had really to face uh, the bureaucracy that we always have on this kind, kind of cases. And sometimes the systems they had were not mature enough. They felt the need to do additional investments. One of the things that they saw happening, and this is uh, something that was really present even before the pandemic, was regarding cyber attack. And, but what happened? Because of the pandemic, of course, much more data became to be assessed through internet, both by patients and also by suppliers. And the risk of a cyber attack even increased. The, the, the increase in the cyber attack, was this because of the, the need to um, open up their systems so that facility teams could work remotely? Was it a case of so that they could share more data and have integrated systems? Uh, what, what's driven that kind of cybersecurity attacks in, in the region? Basically, it was exactly the amount of data that became to be assessed remotely by the hospital's teams. Some of them, administrative functions, started to work remotely. And, of course, uh, patients started to really access all their personal data and uh, their, their remote consultations. And so this increased the level of, uh, the level of data exchanged through Internet. What we saw is that, in fact, we had some examples of cyber attacks happened this year, especially in Brazil. And some big hospitals have been facing this problem this year. And what we see is that they, today, as uh, we see our customers, IT and OT teams, they realize that they need to work better together. They, they are much more aware that they need to join efforts instead of uh, really accepting that they have separated systems, each area, and somehow these systems are not necessarily integrated in, the, in a good way, and this for somehow it opens some space and increases the risk of cyber attacks. So basically what we have been doing together with them is we are trying to help them uh, by building bridges, you know, between them, because some, somehow they work separately, and we have been working together with the two teams to bring them, uh, to make them understand how to, to define how to protect their institutions better. One of the examples that we did recently is we have organized a workshop with many customers in Brazil, and uh, we presented cybersecurity as one of the main topics. 
although remote operations have been present, as I said, before the pandemic in some areas, the demand for that has increased during the crisis. And now what we see is uh, the customers started to be much more, uh, let's say, paying attention to this uh, kind of uh, situations, to this kind of problems. And uh, uh, we see them much more uh, aware of what needs to be done. So at this point, what we are doing is putting these teams to work together and supporting them and using our, our teams, our key account teams, our, our cybersecurity teams to support them, evaluating how they can protect their, their hospitals better. So in, in an effort to protect the facility workers, there was a, a shift towards more remote types of facilities, but that's opened up a cybersecurity uh, weakness in their infrastructure. So it's a, it's a good example of how, how resiliency needs to be thought across, not just exactly. around power distribution, but across all of the IT networks as well. Exactly, exactly. So many of these remote operations, they will be kept after the after whenever this... Uh, this will be the, the end of this will be many, many of these remote operations will be kept after the, the, the pandemic, not only for all uh, type of business, but for healthcare institutions as well. So everyone learned a lot during this pandemic and changed the way they work and they, the way we react to, to, to some activities in our daily life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think we will definitely see how, how that changes. Um, I mean, our own working day-to-day has changed drastically this year, so it will change, certainly. And, and you mentioned re- resiliency um, in terms of the infrastructure. So obviously, you've been, you've been looking at cybersecurity as, a, as an area where there may be a weakness in some uh, facilities. But what, what other types of um, resilience issues have you noticed in healthcare facilities? Well, today, uh, recently this year, uh, either because of the pandemic or not, we believe that the pandemic may have brought light to some other problems that hospitals have here in in the region and specifically in brazil uh we have had many many several cases of fire in hospitals and we don't know if this has relation with the pandemic or not but anyway anyway we we can say that the institutions have been working around the clock right and we saw many reasons uh for for these incidents Mainly, they were related to electrical installations failures. And there has not, not been a very, let's say, a root cause analysis of every incident we, we, we saw. But uh, what we see is uh, we found uh, hospitals with electrical installations that were not exactly suitable to the standards we, we need to have here in the, in, in the country. And we see that uh, they may not have paid the necessary attention to the project, to the engineer uh, phase uh, while planning their electrical installations. Uh, Another reason is that today we see that hospitals have a lot of difficulty to find professionals with experience in hospital facilities and infrastructures to work with them. Uh, just an example of this uh, is we have one big hospital in, in Brazil who also is, uh, is the leader of one uh, big university. And they even created a specific uh, training, a course, where they are, let's say, trying to 
exactly improve the 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 specialization of this kind of professionals so that they can create these professionals for the market and for them as well of course in the end of the day they want these professionals to work for them they are a hospital and an university and uh what we have been doing uh, is trying to help them evaluate their electrical installations in general and we sometimes find very old electrical installations and some of them as i said not exactly built according to local standards and what is more let's say sometimes makes us worry a little bit more is that there are not exactly suitable maintenance procedures established and in place depending on the hospital of course the bigger the hospital the more organized the private hospitals the more organized they are the more their staff is prepared and of course the more the more procedures they have regarding maintenance in general but uh, mainly this difficulty they have regarding the professionals is something that is really something that they are really worried about and they are trying to 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 solve regarding the installations in general the electrical installations we as schneider electric of course this is now in our dna and we what we have been doing is we are for greenfields for example we are putting together this multidisciplinary teams of engineering companies panel builders and the end users from hospitals to discuss and to build even sometimes with the help of some consultation companies to really build the project right from the beginning this is very important and this for sure bring more safety and if everything is built and planned and designed according to standards and according to the best in class solutions that we of course have we are also discussing the topic of the quality of the electrical installations more with our hospital customers with end users and more and more they are more uh, let's say interested on discussing this kind of things fascinating well thank you anna thank you for joining us today okay okay chris it has been a pleasure thank you and thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of schneider electrics podcast for everyday extraordinary healthcare Join us in the coming weeks as we will explore additional aspects of driving resiliency in healthcare, such as asset management and flexible buildings.